0: Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith for this week's message. If you would get your Bibles, open up to
1: the book of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So in the latter part of this particular chapter, and you'll notice that uh, that there's not only a 1 Thessalonians, there's also a Second Thessalonians. Historically, based on the data information that they have, it was guessed that there was about 30 days between First and Second Thessalonians inking. When you read these two books together, you kind of see the issue that was created, and the issue was already there. And the issue was that individuals were going into the church and whether it was through their actions through things that they specifically said they were disrupting individuals by saying well jesus said that he was coming back where is he i mean if this was even like seven eight years i mean if it was your lifetime and you give your life to jesus and you understood that jesus was going to come back and get you in your lifetime what happens as you go further and further and further away in that lifetime the Jews understood Jesus Christ, or the, the Messiah, when he came, was to be someone who was going to come in, in power and authority and was going to reign on a throne as a king. The Jews believed this. So when this Jesus came along, who they guessed was an imposter because he was not a representation of power, he was he did not come from a bloodline that was under any circumstances going to challenge the throne. He didn't have an army that was going to be able to take this all for him He didn't fit the bill according to the Jews. So even after his death, burial, and resurrection, when Jesus ascended and went back to the Father, the Jews continued to spew anything that they could to create doubt, to create hindrance in the church. Now, I want you to understand something. We do not battle. We do not war against flesh and blood. And we are the worst at remembering this. If we, if we could see the spiritual realm interacting with ours, I believe that most of us would just probably fall over a heart attack. As individuals who face the struggles of that day, well, what was their struggles? I'm glad you asked, I'll tell you. How many of you guys have a Bible? 66 books. Unless you've got a Catholic Bible. Talk to me, I'll replace it. Those extra books are not books. They, they could be in another book. You could read them sometime. That's fine. 66 books. One place. You think they had that? Did they not only have the letter that was re- written to the church in Thessalonica, but also the letter that was written to Galatia and Colossae and Corinthian, in Corinthian or Corinth to Ephesus? No. They didn't have all of that. What they had was somebody who came along and spoke a message to them that they took to heart and remembered. Well, there's an awful lot of stuff that if you don't have writing in front of you and you have the ability to deep dive into that study, there's a lot of stuff that don't tell you. It leaves a lot of room for individuals who are targeting your faith for their own purposes, and they'll do whatever they can to create that space it's dangerous to talk to jehovah's witnesses you know it it's dangerous to talk to jehovah's witnesses dangerous to talk to a mormon too i ain't picking on denominations they're not denominations they're religions because their jesus is not my jesus you can call any god you want to jesus he's not my jesus unless he is my jesus if that makes sense we can tell the difference between the two but you got to be careful talking to him because you know how a mormon will come to your door come to the door you tell him you're a Christian first thing out of his mouth we believe in Jesus too by the time that conversation's over with do you know what they're gonna try to convince you that if you're good enough and you invest enough in this religious life that you get to be the God of your own planet that's how Jesus got to be who he is the father got so good and he was just so good in, in, uh, in some other God's eyes I guess I'm not sure how that works I'm trying to put it together that elevates you to the celestial kingdom and you get to be your own God of your own planet, you get to populate it. Does that sound like the same Jesus? Not the same Jesus. But individuals, you know what You know what the Mormon church, you know what they're saying is? Still converting families from Southern Baptists to Mormons. Do you know who the denomination is that bleeds more people into the Mormon faith? Southern Baptists. Why? Because all, how much space does Satan need? How much? Oh, a crack. If he has a a hairline crack and he can get in it, he'll get in it. We don't battle against flesh and blood. You heard me say that a while ago. Well, who are we fighting against? The powers of darkness, in a nutshell. How many times have you looked at a person and not judged them based on the way they're acting you ever meet anybody mean at a gas station the teller they are you ever met anybody that worked at a gas station i mean personally know somebody that worked at a gas station madeline does it make sense that people that work at a gas station are mean But where does our brains go? There's no excuse for treating me that way, right? Right? But honestly, is there an excuse? Are you ever crabby? You ever respond negatively to someone? You ever say a negative thing where other people hear it? You know, one of the biggest things about us as human beings, we're capable of falling. But we're also capable of being controlled by the Holy Spirit. We're capable of being individuals who have the ability to be able to ease somebody's pains, certainly not increasing individuals' pains. But if we don't defend ourselves, we leave the crack. And when we leave the crack, we don't see that it's Satan behind that crack that's manipulating the circumstances. We see the person as manipulating the circumstances. And in many cases, if nobody ever brings, us, brings it up to us, guess who ultimately in our mind pays the price? The person. What does Satan get? He gets to not only win once, he gets to win twice. How? Not only did he just do something to somebody and walk off scot-free but what he did also caused a negative reaction to the person that was the recipient cuz it's terrible when somebody feels bad right and then i go into i move myself into somebody's life because i can't see past the flesh and i make their life worse that's a christian thing to do right but how many people think of that? Truth is, you can't think of it. You're incapable, I'm incapable. We are incapable of thinking it. Because we're fallen, selfish human beings. That's who we are. There's no bones about it. There's, I've had a lot of people who have questioned a lot of things, who have argued a lot of things that I've said to them. There's one thing that we have always agreed on. Every one of us are dirty, rotten crooks. We've thought things in our heads we shouldn't think. We've said things with our mouth we shouldn't say. We've had our feet carry us in places we shouldn't be. We've had our hands put things to our mouth that it should not have put. Because that's who we are as human beings. When God moves into the picture, the purpose for God is for for us to be able to not only accomplish what it is that he's set us to accomplish, but to also build a defense against anything that Satan himself tries to come at us with. His intention in this church of course destroy it destroy it well how do you do that you send somebody into the church and that person may tell one person hey Jesus said that he was coming back for you guys it's been 15 years where is he then another person would come in and say hey maybe he already came and you didn't have it right. What did you have to back that up with? How could you defeat that? Again, where are these 66 books? Some of them were locked up. All the Old Testament ones, the Jews didn't just let let anybody go in and get those. The other 26 in the New Testament, they're spread out everywhere. Some of them haven't been written yet. Some of them are still some 50 years away from being written yet. one key to growth I believe it's the key to growth never give up ground never give up ground we used to call them back when I was a little bit younger backsliders but I'm putting it to you this way never give up ground In other words, when you learn something and you become solidified into that something, then it begins to affect the way that we respond to the things that are around us. This week's Thanksgiving, how many of you really have things to be thankful for? You can nod your head and say, yeah, can't you? But what drove you two weeks ago? The things that you were thankful for or the things that you were stressed about? The things that you were thankful for or the things that you were afraid of? Two weeks ago. Let's be honest, if it wasn't Thanksgiving season, how many of us would really be in the thankful spirit? Because if it continued to be like 2020, 2021, and the rest of 2022, as far as I'm concerned, we could have just shut the door on it, locked it. The church has been bombarded globally. I believe that it's the shaking of the tree in some senses. Because it's not just Highland that people are leaving. Churches everywhere have people that are leaving. I'm talking to pastors who are going, I have no idea what's going on. There are people that are just abandoning their faith, and it's mind-blowing. It's a biblical-level thing that's going on. I hope you don't have to live through any of the tribulation. You heard me say that. I'll say it again. I hope you don't have to live through half the tribulation. If Jesus comes back before you're either passed on, you're going to live through some difficult times. I mean, you're already seeing some of them. Digital currency's coming. Nothing's stopping it. You know what Tuesday showed me? after this whole week of, of, of counting votes there ain't nobody in control except for God he decides the timeline nobody else decides it but if the new world order actually started in the late 1800s with the throne in England and if since the 1950s they have put a playbook into play that includes our education systems that includes our health systems that includes pretty much all of the food we consume and this whole plan has been put together since the 1950s just how deep do you think that plan runs i get it you may not want to think about it who does right who wants to think about the possibility that we could have to live through three and a half years of tribulation but i'll tell you something if somebody runs up to you and says i guarantee you you are not going to live through three and a half years of the tribulation careful that's a crack why because there isn't one theologian on this planet that can say that with absolute fact i've studied it through and through i personally believe there's too much evidence that the church will live through the first three and a half The Bible points out the dragon trampling the church underfoot for 42 months. How long is 42 months? He talks about the dragon also in another area in scripture trampling the temple underfoot for a time, times, and a half a time. How much is that? I'm with you. I'm all with you. I would love being able to just sit on the fact, if it was one, that before this world gets too terrible, Jesus is going to yank me out of here. How did the apostles die? All of them were martyred, but one. Some of them were crucified upside down, some of them were beheaded. John was the only one that survived. He was boiled in oil and survived it. Spent the rest of his days on the Isle of as a prisoner. Can somebody give me an example of God preventing his people from going through really, really, really terrible, horrific times? Can anybody give me any examples? I mean, these 12 guys... Was there anything special about these 12 guys? Before you answer that question incorrectly, let me answer it for you. Yes, these 12 were special. Why? Because out of all of the people on the planet, God picked these 12 people to start his New Testament church. If he was going to take care of any of his people, the ones who were going to face the biggest struggle, the biggest difficulty, wouldn't it have been those 12? Here's the problem. We think it's an issue to suffer. The Bible's clear. It's a requirement. Amen? Paul told Timothy, it was a command suffer with me as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. Those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Therefore, those who desire to live ungodly in Christ Jesus will not be persecuted. Are you being persecuted? Because ungodliness isn't just doing what God told us not to. Ungodliness is also not doing what God told us to. They both qualify. When we retain stuff through the retention, we set ourselves on promises that act as buoys. They prevent us from hitting ground in those areas. In other words, somebody comes to me and says, Jesus has has already come back and got everybody. I'm going to say, no, he's not, because I'm going with him when he does. How can I say that with assurance? Because the scripture tells me so. It shows me the requirement for me to get to go to heaven. It shows me the requirement for me to qualify in Christ. And my qualification is, I don't qualify, Christ qualifies for me. How many of you guys have ever, even since you've been a believer, been in those spots where you felt like you were alone? Even though you knew on a biblical level you weren't, how many of you ever felt like you were alone since you were a Christian? Here's a passage of Scripture. Jesus himself. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus' own words. If you use that promise as a buoy, in other words, you tether yourself to that thing, then what does it do to your outlook? You're going to cross that buoy again. Circumstances in life are going to bring you back to the same mental spot that you've been many, many times in your life. But if you've got a little reminder on that buoy, that buoy that says, hey, that was put there to remind me. I'm never alone. Even when the whole world abandons me, I'm never alone. What happens if you travel through life 20, 30 years and you have these things in life that are popping up like this, and you're looking at them with that same perspective, what happens when you're 20 years down the road? You're actually something that Jesus built, something that's supernatural, something that's nearly untouchable. You say untouchable. I always laughed about the Apostle Paul. I have said this in a while, so I'll say it. I always kind of laughed about the Apostle Paul because Apostle Paul's mentality was he could turn anything into a rose bush. I mean, he could, he could just, it didn't matter what the circumstances were. So I could just imagine when they arrested him and they were taking him from Roman court to Roman court, and the threats that they were making to him We'll, we'll kill you. To die's nice gain. Well then we'll let you live. I got a lot of stuff to do to live as Christ well, then we're just going to beat you really bad to warn everybody else, I'll be considered worthy of of being persecuted for my Lord. They couldn't win. The reason they couldn't win is because every time that Satan tried to hit what he thought was a crack, he ran square face first into Jesus. We emulate a faith that faith that we emulate has everything in the world to do with not only what we know but how much we trust in it. God calls us individuals who are wishy-washy. Double-minded individuals. What he means by that is the lives that we live prove that what we really believe is that sometimes God can and sometimes he can't. Does that sound accurate? Should be he can't all the time, right? But every time that fear works its way into our heart, what are we really saying? Anytime we spend an extended amount of time in a place that Satan is leading us by the nostrils... those promises and those anchors they won't keep you perfect. They'll make you a whole lot closer to it. And that's why I say it's not you. It's not rules. It's Jesus. If your next breast was your last one, would you be okay with that? And most people who are believers are like yeah, I'd be okay with that. I mean there's things we'd be concerned about, right? But we'd be okay with that. Why? Because when the scripture becomes real to you, it becomes worth it. You spend your entire life watching Satan beat people up, beat them into grease spots to do the things that he does to them, and all while blaming God, and I'm talking about Satan blaming God, and getting in the mind of other individuals that God deserves to be blamed for all the stuff that goes on in our lives. My dad got cancer. I had the gall. I had the gall. To question the fact that God let my dad get cancer, my dad smoked non-filtered Chesterfield King since he was 13 years old. Was it God's fault? You ever hear the story about the man who went into the barber shop, sat down with a barber, and he said, "I don't believe that there's a God." Barber said, what makes you think that? He said, well, there's all kinds of people that are walking around out there that uh, life's bad for them, and God just doesn't do anything. People still die of cancer, people still dying in accidents, people still murdering people. And he said, well, I guess you don't believe in Barber's either. And he said, Why is that? He said, Because all those people out there also have long hair. God's not just someone who has written in a book, He's not a manifestation of an author in a novel, He's the creator of the universe. He's the creator of all things outside of the universe. He calls us friend. So he wants us protected. He's going to point out in this passage of scripture kind of what a little bit of the problem is, which we talked about a little bit, and then kind of what his encouragement is for us as well. So we're going to read straight through for a little bit, starting in chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. Now as to the times and the epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like birth pangs upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as, as as others do, but let us be alert and sober. We'll stop there. Alert and sober. And it's not talking about don't drink. All right, I've told you before. My encouragement to you is don't drink. Why play with firewater? But this is talking about something entirely different. When we look at this particular these verses, these first verses, he says, "But you, brethren, are not in the darkness." You're in the light. In other words, what happens in the dark? One of my favorite games around here, I don't know if they still play it or not, if they haven't. Parents need to come watch and play it sometime. It's actually uh, hide and go seek in the church at a lock-in with all the lights turned out. Now, the, it's been a while since I've done this, so I might, it might be fresh enough that I could probably get away with it at some point. Cullen won't fall for it. But uh, we were big about just putting stuff out in the aisles putting stuff in the hallways and we just let them know you guys need to be careful Well, when when we said ready or not here we come and this place is pitch black and I had stools in the aisle and I had pads put up across the doorways and these pew pads I had a blast what do you think that looked like What do you think the most common sound was when they all took off? Ow! (laughs) Here, ow! ow! They're all hitting stuff. Why are they running around hitting stuff, running into stuff like they can't see? Because they can't see. This is what the world's doing. The only trouble is they're running around hitting stuff and we happen to be threading ourselves through them. If we are going to be the church we have to at least have the mindset about us to say sober and alert that means pay attention you know one thing that amazes me at the, on this level right now what amazes me is the is the the control over the media and i'm not picking on one particular i'm saying as a whole your ability to get information is very difficult it's very easy for you to get information that everybody else wants you to get. Very difficult for you to get information that's accurate. Is that by design? Yes, yeah, it's by design. How many of you guys get spam emails? Let's say, click this link. How many of you guys have a parent or a grandparent that's been scammed? Mm, A lot of us have known people that have gotten scammed, right? And why are they scammed? Because they're not alert and they're not sober. Sober is those red flags that go off in our minds. Alert is the flashing lights that go off in our minds. You guys know what I'm talking about? when you approach those areas of life where we as individuals um, have the ability to kind of see what it is that's going on, even though nobody's saying it, the things that, honestly, I've told you before, I'm not going to go through the list again. I've got a long list, things that I'm watching. I talk to people about some of this stuff, about Jesus coming back and it looking like it could be sooner rather than later. Do you know what kind of looks like it? I I could imagine what people looked at Noah like, because that's a look you get. And and look, I, I realize I realize that church has become a model for us. And people say, well, it's supposed to be a sanctuary. It is. It's supposed to be a place that you can come fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. But no person can turn a blind eye to what's going on outside of that building. We can't, uh, there is no person that could reasonably give me an argument as to why morality is sliding the way that it is. At the rate that it is. Be sober. I get those little things that pop up through text message once in a while. Want to see naked pics of me? You know what sober and alert says? Uh Uh-uh, block that number. Uh Uh-uh. You know what not sober and alert looks like? Oh, I'll be the judge of that. I would even go so far as to say that's as dumb as a box of rocks. Christian life's no different than these choices that we tend to to make every day. Verse 7 says, For those who sleep, do their sleeping at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Here's the reason he said this. i want to look at 7 and 8 again. We'll just spend a little time on it. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Somebody define faith for me. I'll give you a good reference. Somebody look up, wait, it was like Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Someone to look it up real quick. That is the best definition for the word faith that you'll find because it is the definition that the Bible gives us. And I'll let somebody read it for me. I see a couple of people looking for it. read it? Sure and certainty. A surety and certainty about the things that you can't see. That's what faith is. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love gives us two different perspectives within our intentions. Faith being... faith being the catalyst to every next thing we say and every next thing we do. It's the catalyst. You have a little faith? Guess what the, Guess what comes out of your mouth is going to represent? Little faith. Have a lot of faith? Guess what your mouth's going to represent? A lot of faith. Little faith and a lot of faith. Is there a difference between what those two people accomplish? You better believe it. How many of us have at some point in our life had a little faith? All of us. But faith is kind of like your nose and your ears. It never stops growing. It never stops growing. And it needs to grow because the more that we know, the more into the darkness that that we dive. In other words, a person who has no idea what the threat is around them is going to have no idea whether there's even a reason for them to worry about a threat. The more you become aware, the less you know. The more you become aware, the more you need what you do know. Because the more aware you become, the further down the rabbit hole that you go, and the worse life gets and I'm not talking about for you as an individual. I'm talking about for others. I've mentioned before, one of the first things I did as a full-time pastor counseled a 12-year-old girl who's being pimped out by her mom. Four or five different men every weekend. Did you know in the last five years, there have been over 100,000 kids that have been kidnapped out of this country? Six figures. Over a hundred thousand kids kidnapped in this country in the last in the last five years. Some people are speculating there's that mean that there, there's that many taken every year. First of all, what are they doing with these kids? Now we can sit back at a distance. You can pray. That does something, right? But who's the most valuable person in the group? The one who'll stand back at a distance and pray or the one who'll go into the darkness and get them? Because sometimes the threat's gone, but they've been drained so much of life that they just sit down in the dark. Who's going to get them? That person who's mean to you? That person who even may wish ill on you? That person who may be your archenemy may be one of those people in your life that Jesus has entrusted their salvation to. How are you supposed to share a gospel message with somebody that you can't talk to without yelling at? Can we see between the lines? Can we see the cracks? Can we see what it is that Satan's manipulating? And he manipulates all of us. He manipulates our circumstances. He manipulates everything. And I said a while ago, I think it's kind of a shaking out, so to speak, separating the men from the boys. Life gets hard, pressures raise. People who are believers, for what they get out of it, they're not going to stay. In church, nowhere. And I get the understanding that as a pastor, I stand up here and say, we have to suffer. But I can also tell you as someone who has suffered under those circumstances, it's unlike any suffering I've ever done before. Because it's not the type of suffering that makes you unhappy. Breastplate of not only faith, but love. That's what has to drive us. The love that Jesus Christ showed us is the love that we're supposed to show everyone else. And I've had people who have tried to build arguments say, oh no, he wasn't talking about agape love. He wouldn't talk about that same kind of love. If that's true, then there's a wall we can't cross. There's a barrier we can't get over. Jesus loves our enemies as much as he loves us up until the point that they take that last breath. In his mind, he already knows it, we just don't. But there's nobody alive who has committed the unforgivable sin. So if Jesus Christ loves the lost person every bit as much as he loved me, And now I have been brought into the fold and understand what his passion is and what it is that he's trying to do. How intentional should I be as an individual to make sure, regardless of what my past relationship may be with that person, that I represent Christ to them? It's vitally important. In a nutshell, it's because it's not about us verse 9 says for God has not destined us for wrath but for obtaining salvation through through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we are awake or asleep we may live together with him therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing i'm going to continue this message next week cuz it's going to be the thanksgiving message they will be attached to each other rather nicely um, in this one, though, we have to we have to leave it off with this. Go back, look at verse at 9, starting with 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Now, I said earlier, the individuals that were saying Jesus has either already come back or Jesus isn't coming back. He's so late, he's not coming back. Those individuals that they're disrupting, Paul is just continually reaffirming to them that this is what we believe uh, what we believe for god has not destined us for wrath in other words if jesus the same thing i said a while ago somebody says jesus came back no he didn't or i wouldn't be here no he didn't or i wouldn't be here because we're not destined for wrath quite the contrary but for obtaining salvation through our lord jesus christ who died for us that whether we are (laughs) awake or asleep we may live together with him those people who died it's over for them. paul sums it up here he says it doesn't matter whether individuals who have passed on or are individuals alive that are alive they all get that best effect they all get that positive blessing they all get the same salvation Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. When he says, therefore, encourage one another, that directly attaches itself to the responsibility for us as individuals because of the fact that sometimes you're going to fall into a hole too deep to look out of. You're going to fall in a hole too deep to climb out of. And guess what? You're going to need. You're gonna need somebody who hopefully was paying close enough attention. They seen you fall in the hole. And second, you're gonna need that person to love you enough to go do whatever they need to to help get you out of it. And that happens through encouragement. That happens through individuals individuals saying um, saying things to other believers that are fallen individuals and it's okay for it's okay i mean for us to to, to hardest thing in the world to do as a believer is to confess our sins one to another I get it it's hard to trust people with those deep dark secrets isn't it And the reason for that is, individuals are not individuals who are looking out for the benefit of those people that Jesus wants to touch. And if we are willing to look out for the benefit of other individuals rather than the benefit for ourselves, it prevents us from falling into that valley and us living lives that are unhappy lives. Do you know what happy lives have in them? Jesus not jesus for breakfast on sunday morning and dinner on sunday night or dinner on wednesday night because that's what people tend to do i've heard people say this all the time like oh i love going to church because it charges my batteries what happens when this building's gone what happens when it becomes too dangerous to gather in one place is this the church or is this the church encourage one another this building is strengthened it's reinforced through us as individuals being that to each other and that means that sometimes you're going to be held accountable that means you're not going to want to hear what it is that somebody will tell you but i'll tell you what if an individual is bringing something like that up in their lives they're going to be careful about how they bring it up because the thing that drives them is love and not gotcha the faith The faith is what gives us the ability to see through it. The love is what gives us the ability to correctly drive to it. Without those two, it's a very difficult road. If you're here today and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, don't come up here because I've just given you the opportunity to. The Holy Spirit... He's the one that's going to talk to you, and I can't sit here and tell you exactly what that's what that's going to seem like to you, but I can promise you that it's something you've never experienced in your life, and it's something you will not be able to disregard. I say something, someone. It's personal. But you come if he calls, and I'll make sure that you have every bit of the information you need. I can't save you, but I will take, make sure you have all the information you need to know the one who can if you're here today and you're a believer i do want to encourage you and this is leading up to thanksgiving we tend to look at all of the things in our life as things that are negative things when we don't really give a passing thought in what god's actually doing in the midst of them and they could be the worst circumstances under the sun but we have that one promise that we can also hang our hat on god can make all things of the good to those who know him and are called according to his purpose In other words, it doesn't matter what manure pile that your life may be living in. It don't matter how big that manure pile may be. Jesus will grow a rose bush right out of the middle of it. So you just got to be encouraged. Find those promises to tether to. And hang on.
0: Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you to come to the Lord. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, We are all sinners, separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. That's why God, sent his only son Jesus to come live a life without sin, he was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, he came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer, this is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ prayer. For listening, if you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week, and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link, with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.